When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are live. We are live. We are live. Another win, top of the league, guys. How are we feeling right now? Relieved. Yeah. yeah. How, how, do, how, how are you meant to feel when you're top of the league, comfy, cushy, through in the Champions League, top of your group? You know, don't worry about that. Resting players in the next round. Who wants it? Who wants it of us? I'm not sitting here sweating it. Everyone's expecting the key and peel gif with beads of sweat coming down. No, no. It was all right. At the end of the day, we're going to get into the reasons why, but we controlled that game. So I'm bullish. And and you're going to hear a lot of that on this pod. Matt, were you sweating sitting at your computer? Uh, I went out, watched it uh, at Fancy Free down the road. And you get back just... quick. I do get back quick, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it was just such a wonderful game to watch. It was like everyone's chatting, everyone's very relaxed. It just feels like, you know, we're... Uh, it just felt like a very, very easy routine win and then and then got a bit hairy at the end. But when it comes down to it, this is a game that no one will remember. It's another three points, 33 points, top of the league, clear at the top, couldn't be better. Okay. Well, I I I wasn't worried. And then that goal went in. And then yeah. I started to get, that started was scary, to get a little bit it? hot. Yeah, I was I, I started to regret home alone core in the living room. Had to take the beanie off. Had to take the shirt off, but now I'm now I'm calm. Top of the league, uh, we're done for the weekend. I love three p.m. kickoffs. I love it. You're, you're you're done for the weekend, then you can go and relax, especially after a win. Um, is, is, that, is that your inspiration for your fashion today? Is it is it wet bandits? Right, you're in a basement around Christmas time with one of those beanie hats on. It's Joe Pesci, isn't it? It's it's listen, Marv and <laughs> December December first. It's Home Alone core all the way. I got I got Macaulay Culkin rolling in the background 24-7. I'm dressing up like Pesci. I'm suffering for it, but I feel the vibe is worth it. I'm wearing headphones today as well. I don't like wearing headphones, but I've left uh, I left my gear at the office after doing two podcasts yesterday. Nice. All right, guys. Um enough yapping. Um, why don't we turn the loop off and get right into it? Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I'm joined by man like Matt Candela and Johnny Cochran and we're here to talk about Wolves on a cold, wet and windy day in London. Arsenal came out victors 2-1. It was a pretty controlled game, but we had to make it exciting towards the end. So we're going to talk about all the action. Uh, We're going to get right into the mix of guys. How are we doing today? We feeling good? Feeling good, mate. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is this is a really this is when we as podcasters earn our crust, okay? Because there are layers to this shit. You know what I mean? It's not just yay, we won. There are there are more things to dig into. Clearly, anyone who watched the game will know that. You know, it's not a, a, a completely, you know, all rosy in the garden. There are certain things to address, but overall, you have to, as as like like people who appreciate art, step back uh, and view it in its whole holistically. You know what I mean? And we, right now, I think we are really starting to kickstart into gear. Um, so yeah, feeling really positive, and I can't wait to get into it. Matt, it's December the 2nd, and I don't see a single Christmas decoration in your house. So that is a warning to both of you, Johnny. I like your on-air light, but next time I want to see Christmas decor going up. Didn't we do a Christmas tree thing last year? Did we do a tr- Christmas tree competition? I think we did. We did. My Christmas tree is looking exceptional this year. It's been up for a week. Is it very designed? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Jo- it's the best Johnny, tree we've ever had. Yeah, honestly. you go design. Johnny, Johnny just goes for let the kids do it, and uh, <laughs> I, I kind of... I mix it up. Nothing can grow down in that basement. Nothing <laughs> can grow down in this basement. It might look a bit nicer with a, a little bit of festivity there. Bit of I'm gonna, yeah, I'm I'm tinseling up next week. I'm tinseling up. You'd be like like a prisoner in a in a in a cell that just has a little Christmas tree to try and bring a bit of cheer. But no, I, I do you know what I I'm um I, we we just don't do Christmas trees well. Matt goes out and hacks one down in a local forest. You know, the squirrels have to find new homes, but. I literally get mine out the loft, bend the little wire branches, and then let the kids go out. It's it's never anything to shout about, but they seem happy, so all good. Yeah, you know what exciting. I did this year? I ordered a tree. So order it online. Guy turns up in a truck, tells you when it's two minutes away. They come in, they put set the tree up for you. Oh, nice! Oh, you so fancy! You so fancy! <laughs> I I lugged the tree back from Home Depot like a true Midwestern American. And I was watching I was watching TV with the in-laws and this thing walked across the carpet. It was this big, fluffy, caterpillar-like monster. And it was apparently poisonous. And then I put it in a cup and it faked death. It pretended it was dead after 10 minutes and I put it outside. <laughs> but you really have to be careful with those Christmas trees. Um, be safe in the Midwest. Poisonous caterpillars. Who Ooh. knew? Who knew? Um, Johnny, have you been sending your family onto this podcast Noah Yemo has said, no offense, guys, but I came here for the John 10. The John 10. I do love that little term. Um, I don't know who that person is, but um, big love to you anyway. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I'll say that it's probably it'll be I'll I'll give the game away. It's me on my phone and off camera. I'm like, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the emo. But no, I, I don't know who that is. But John 10, I'm going with that for sure. I love it. Awesome. All right. Um, listen, guys, before we get into the hottest takes, if you're watching this on YouTube now and I can see the numbers tracking up, we like to smack the like. Give that like a smack. And while you're there, there's a little subscribe button. Click the subscribe button. For God's sake, you'll get an alert every time we go live and on the whistle, which is literally every game. We've done so much content this year. And I did want to say a special shout out to everybody that's been sharing uh, us in their top five on their Spotify wraps. Um, it's been a real pleasure to see. We've got a friend in the in the group chat, Alex, uh, who said that he'd spent two point four days with us this year. That's that, that's special. That's special. Literally so, in Pete's basement. Literally <laughs> in my basement. I've just got him pushing buttons on people's <laughs> iPhones. Play this. Play the podcast again. Listen to it again. Um, 
Yeah, so thanks for sharing your Spotify rap. We really appreciate everybody that's been listening to us this year. And before we get into the answer, takes one more thing, uh, patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal opinion. We did a pretty beastly before the whistle yesterday where we ended up just chatting about Kylian Mbappe for 29 minutes because Johnny convinced us all that this was a possibility. So if you like Kylian Mbappe propaganda, uh, that's the podcast view. Patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal opinion. All right, guys. All right, all right, all right. Enough yabber. Hottest of takes. Hottest of takes. Three hottest of takes. The AOP. Hottest of takes. Make it spicy. I invented the word. I've said it twice today. Yabbering. It's my uh, It's my new word. Um, I don't know why I said it, but it felt like it made sense. Um, Matt Candela, I'm going to go to you today for the spiciest, hottest of takes on a cold winter's morning. Yeah, my hottest of takes. I'm going to ignore the last 10 minutes. Um, and I'm going to say, I think that was one of our best performances of the season. I think all the people who have been moaning about a lack of attacking coherency and have had reason to moan, you saw today that it's coming. It's on the way. It's building. I thought we were phenomenal in the first half. And I thought there were a couple of players right at the heart of it. People have been talking about Ivan Tony, the need for a striker. But I think we all forget when Gabby Jesus is fitting in the mood, he just knits everything together so wonderfully. He was hot and that meant Arsenal were hot. And then the other player was Erdegaard. I think he played some of his best football of the season in that first half, especially. And when he plays well, the whole team plays well. So, you know, we're really beginning to warm up at exactly the right time. December the 1st, coming into a busy festive season, picking up the points, top of the league. We'll get into some of the uh, some of, some of of the less positive moments, but I think we all, now the game is over, can take a step back and go, We it was an honour to watch some of that football. It really, really was. And, and I'm excited that there were a couple of learnings because I think someone said in one of the comments, the best is the best type of win is when you can win, but you can also get a very clear picture of what you need to do to improve. And clearly we need to improve our finishing and we need to improve our, our concentration. But if we do that, I mean, everything is moving in the right direction. Johnny, tis the season to be jolly. Um, you've been of a, of a, uh, a festive disposition of late with the hot takes. Where are you taking yours today? So, partly in tune with Matt, and in another way, I disagree on things, but it's a good disagreement. It's like, oh, you know, you're you're happiest about this, I'm slightly happiest about this. So, like Matt was saying, I said on uh, in the Before the Whistle Patreon exclusive, if you haven't signed up, sign up now, that I think Arsenal are starting, like, like a car engine, they're starting to sputter into gear. It's starting to... And now we're starting to get going. We are seeing the attacking potential starting to break out now. And I think it's embodied in one player more than anything else. I think Erdegaard, yeah, fantastic to his goal amazingly well. And it's great to see him starting to gain a little bit of confidence. But for me, the buck stops with Bukayo Saka. That was the nuts. What's, what's going on with him again? He's back being a bully. That's what's happening. That's what's up. Speak to... The Wolves left back about his job today. Really tough day at the office. Really tough. But Kyo Saka's first goal, we're going to get into it. I'm not going to go too deep, but it was the nuts. For the second goal, which was an absolute masterpiece all the way through, that's Saka's ball in the first place. I just thought all game, we played with aggression. And 
so many times there will be, with all great teams, you have pillars of the team. And they are ultimately going to be the guys that drag the units through. And the reason why I feel like we might have gone a bit further than we were last year is because we were never going to get over the line this year if we couldn't kick into some kind of attacking gear at some point. We all kind of expected we would. I think we actually are now. But what we have seen is when we weren't playing well, people like Saka, even when they weren't playing well, were just doing enough to nick odd goals now. I think what we're seeing now is Arsenal starting to kick into, you know, top gear. I think Luton are going to get something. They're going to get wax lyrical when they turn up. And um, yeah, I think that Saka is is the one to watch. Very exciting. I agree with that. Um, uh, we, we have been a little bit harsh on Saka this season, despite his... Uh, his amazing numbers, but today it did feel a little bit saucier than uh, than it has done so far. So what what a time to come into form. Uh, Harry Kane was always like that, wasn't he? Uh, slow start, and then he bang. Um, I think my, my hottest of takes is sometimes it takes a little exit from the starting 11 to realise what you're missing. And I think it's no coincidence that Gabby Jesus and Martin Odegaard coming back into the side has sparked some of this sexy attack in fluid football. Um, I thought the goals were exceptional today, uh, like Saka coming in with that little dink, uh, Jesus at the core of that move. Um, I just think that those two make our attack sing. And, you know, like I know that we've been like very hot on Ivan Tony coming into the side, but you've got to, you've got to think that any striker that's going to come to Arsenal has to be able to at least match what Jesus does off the ball, so it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna be watching Ivan Tony with different eyes uh, in January because uh, I feel that um, Jesus is is absolutely invaluable. I know that we thought Erdegaard was invaluable, but he hasn't had the best start to the season. But again, I'd rather him come into form now than start with a bang and whimper out um, in March and May like uh, like happened last year. So excited to have those uh, those front four back in the mixer. All right, guys. Let's move on to the first topic today. Uh, it was an incredibly fast start. Uh, Wolves' game plan was put in the bin after six minutes when we went 1-0 up. Uh, six minutes later, I believe, we went 2-0 up. Um, I wanted to put this question to you, Matt, first, because uh, you didn't like this topic. Was the was the start too fast? And um, did we get a little bit complacent in the second half? Is there such thing as a far, as a start that's too fast? No such thing as a start that's too fast. Because I think what we're up against is we're up playing against teams that are going to come and deep block. And if you can break the resistance in the first six minutes like you did, then there is no deep block because they have to come out. They're a goal down. No team can go and concede a goal and then just sit back. Otherwise, it's just it's the definition of stupidity. And what you especially can't do is you can't concede two goals. So it was perfect and it just reminded me a little bit of Manchester City. How many times last season did we see them go and score two, three early goals and then they were able to start pulling players off on 60 minutes? And we were almost then, it just reminded me of Manchester City in their prime a little bit, the way that we just made it look so easy. And I mean, we were so much better than Wolves today. But it's interesting, you know, and especially we found out last season, 2-0 is not a game one in the Premier League. It's 3-0. You need to get the third. And we weren't able to get the third. We had so many chances. And if we'd got that, then it really would we'd have been, you know, we'd have had Reese Nelson on, on 60 minutes and, and, and the rest. But so um 
it was the perfect start. We couldn't get the third. Some wonderful football. I love us coming out like this at home at the beginning of the season. We did it a, a bit at the beginning of the last season. It hasn't been so prevalent this season, but yeah, I, I, it's it's phenomenal. What you can't do though is what we've done a couple of times, where you try and start fast and then you're sloppy at the back, and you concede an early goal. We've done that a few times as well. So this was the right balance. Johnny, Wolves didn't have a lot of attacking action today, but they did get two big chances and three shots on target. Um, do you think our fast start led to a, a little bit of a switch off in the second half? Um, no, no, I don't. The fact is, is and we, you know, we have because we we are the font of professionalism on the pod, and we like clear demarcation with our subjects. So I will have to address a subject, but I won't go too deep on it. Reality is, is we dominated that game, completely controlled it, but then there was an individual error that, you know, shook the snow globe. And without that individual error, we would not be having this conversation because Wolves weren't in it. We, do you know what we did today? We absolutely strangled them. This, this, by, the, by the way, by the way, by the end of that game, Wolves showed you that they have a lot of fight in that team. They are no mugs. They're going to give teams difficult games. I think there are a few players that they've got are actually quite interesting. Cunha up front, who scored the goal, he's a very interesting player, actually. He's one to just keep your eyes on. I, 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 I've not seen much of him before. I think he's really good, holds it up well, great finish. Um, but when you play the way that we're playing, there's two things that you could have done when you have that first fast start. The first thing you do is take all of your chances. And we were guilty of missing some chances. I mean, the first two goals are absolutely unreal. But we, we missed some other chances where, as Matt said, 3-0 up, Reese Nelson's coming on. Anyone else who wants a little run out as well um, didn't come. Um, and it should have come. But apart from that, you can't make stupid mistakes. You just can't do it. And inbuilt in the team, if we're going to play like this, there may have to be conversation as, as to whether we can have players who are prone to making individual errors that might jeopardise the structure of the team late on. And, you know, again, I'm not going to go too deep into it because we're going to talk about him. <laughs> I'm not... Oh, you, you you, know we're going there. We're going yeah, there. yeah, yeah. But, but the reality is, is we started just how we need to start. That's how we need to set about teams. That's what it was like. It was literally like... Uh, it was like a, 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 um, a ferret down a rabbit hole, just going after them. Just, it was hounding them. I, I loved the deflated expression from the Wolves players. They looked like they were being bested. And they, Gary O'Neill was looking around being like, this is going to be a tough, long afternoon. And I thought he loved the fact that they lost 2-1. He was like, wow, we can get away. Go, oh, yeah, nearly nicked some at the end. They were obliterated in that game. That was the biggest tonking of a 2-1 you've ever seen. So absolutely no way can we start too fast. We didn't start too fast. We just had a brain fart moment and made it seem like it was closer than what it was. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you. It was a brilliant start. We ruined their game plan early on. I, I just think, I do think it's hard to concentrate for 80 minutes in a game that you've got total control of. I think that that comes with experience um, and I, I think the I think the not problem, but because we won. But getting to getting to three goals, I feel like we need to do more of that. I feel like Manchester City, and I, I have no data to back this up, but I feel like Manchester City get to three 0 up by sixty minutes a lot more than Arsenal do. 
Um, and in a game where we had 19 attempts at goal, created three XG, I kind of hoped for um, for that third goal. It didn't come, but yeah, brilliant start. I mean, getting back to what we did in the first half of last season would be lovely so we don't have to suffer um, these deep blocks and, and nervy finishes. But yeah, good good game, fast start and some sexy goals. And that's what I want to talk about now. Uh, attacking fluency was the hot topic of conversation before the Champions League game. We scored six goals against Lons. Um, the football was amazing at times. It was a bit of a concern that we might not show up in the Premier League because it would be more difficult against a very tricky Wolves side. But my word was the attacking fluency there in the first half. There was some mesmeric passing, some incredible goals. It felt like Arsenal were back to their best. Johnny, talk to me um, about, about what you liked when it came to the goals today. Where do I start? That was, you know what? Hair standing up on end. That, that was that was that was just absolute poetry. And I felt it early. I felt something was going to start happening. And again, it was Saka for me. Got things going. But I do, I, I, and we're going to get onto Saka. But I've really got to point out Jesus's impact in in both goals, really. But for the for for the Saka goal, his ability to take the ball in tight areas and play quick one touch passes into you know um dangerous areas into people's paths so they don't have to stop running because Saka's at his best we he doesn't break stride he, he, his touch is so good he doesn't need to Jesus can do that and Wolves just literally look like they do you know what it was it was playing FIFA you got a three and a half. Four-star team up against the five-star team, all on green arrows. And guess what? You got worked. That's what it was. It was one of the. It was the best. It was the best goal I've seen in a while from us. I, I, I like as in the, the, between both of them, like the, the second one as well. It was just. It felt like we could open them up at will. Every single player looked like they were. At, it was. It wasn't just like it was one player having their way. Martinelli was looking like he wanted to get in on it. Everyone was hungry. Trossard just arriving from deep as well, trying to get involved. Martin Erdegaard, I didn't... Oh, you, you're on mute. That, tr- that Trossard, the one through the middle, you were like, oh, that was ever so close to being spectacular. It was delicious. We're also going to get onto him as well. But yeah. I mean, but the second goal, you, you're just going, this is the kind of stuff, Moonraker from Saka, you know, Touch back again, Jesus involved, but um, uh, Zinchenko on, on the overlap there, and it's just it's delicious play. <laughs> Overlaps it that because we are going to get onto him, but that was Zinchenko at his best. That is what you get when he is playing left back, which no other p- player can afford us. He has an ability to play at a very high attacking level, and he's playing you know in one of your defensive positions. He's on the overlap, it's just. Everything was just picture perfect into Erdegaard's space. And I was wondering which kind of Erdegaard are we going to get today? Don't worry. It's absolute world-class temperaments there. Whack. Pick the ball. Literally, every Wolves player was like, I'm a step too slow here. The player's gone past me. Can't get to you here. The keeper, oh, no, can't dive. Don't bother. Just don't bother, guys. Because everything's happened a second before you've even seen it. And now the ball's in your net. None of it game over and that's what it felt like it felt like it was going to get completely out of hand um but yeah to be honest the way the game ended up can't take away from the fact that for that passage of play we really started to see again Arsenal's attacking 
potential. And if we start turning it on on a regular basis, I think a lot of teams are going to get hands put all over them this year. Matt, um, Johnny thinks that uh, Arsenal are going to get handsy with a lot of teams this year. Um, over the festive period, that's not always the best thing. <laughs> um, what did you make of the goals today? Did it feel like uh, kind of like peak Arsenal? Like the, it was almost like an Arsene Wenger goal. Uh, well, I think the- one of the things that's been a bit concerning about the season so far is the lack of chances. You know, our XG has been relatively low, lower than last season. Our big chance creation has been lower than last season. Felt like there's been a lot of fine margins, you know? Felt like we were not creating... We were dominating teams without creating that much. And even in that game against Newcastle that we lost, you know, people rightly said at the end of it, I mean, we didn't create anything. Uh, Even games like last week, which we won 1-0, I mean, we didn't really create much. You know, so many crosses in the box. But how many saves did you ask the keeper to make? How many efforts on goal? How many clear-cut chances? And so what I enjoyed about today was just the sheer volume of chances we created. I mean, how it didn't end up. Six may be pushing it, but it certainly should have had four. I mean, we hit the post twice. Both probably deserved to go in. Um, And then so many more chances on top of that. And then the goals were just... Just, just, just fantastic. Just the interplay between them, and I think, I think Gabby Jesus is really at the heart of it. I don't think I give him enough credit. I don't think we give him enough credit. I think we struggle because it takes him a few, it takes him a little. It, take, it doesn't take him long, but it takes him a few games to get up to speed, and then it feels like every time he gets up to speed, he gets injured again. Oh, it certainly has since he started being an Arsenal player. But in those moments where he's fit and he's up to speed. He's one of the best players in the world. And I think someone I was watching it with said, would you say that Gabby... Haaland is a better goal scorer, but would you say that Gabby Jesus is a better footballer than Haaland? And I think you would. 100%. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you, you would. He's just such I a phenomenal... I think he's an all-round better player than Haaland. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's an all-round better player than a lot of players. But <laughs> I want goals from a striker, Matt. That is one thing I would say. But when you've got all five contributing like this and I, you, like, you saw his celebration on the second goal, even though he hadn't scored it, was as if he'd scored it. Uh, and I think there was something in that, just the way that these players love to play football, the the pleasure they got from scoring a goal like that um, really, really shone through. And there were just two wonderful goals. And they could have, like, that ball from... Erdegaard to Eddie, the Martinelli, when he'd run and defended at one end and then gone up the other end, and that brilliant curling shot that hit the post. Just so, there could have been more wonderful goals. But, you know, I don't mind keeping some in the locker for the, for the festive season. Let's just keep, keep, them, keep them saved up because the performance and the attacking fluency were there for all to see. Yeah, I lo- love those points. I think I said on the before the whistle yesterday that the hopefully the Champions League game, though an easy afternoon where Lons let us have our have our way with them, I hoped that it would give us a bit of belief that this new system that we're working towards will have world class output, and I think today kind of proved what a confidence boost scoring six in the Champions League gave us because that was such a, a the two perfect goals, two two absolutely beautiful, 
classic Arsenal goals. Like if you you could put that up against any of the best goals we've scored in the last uh, 15 years and they would they would stand strong. Um, I loved the um, all of our key players were part of it. I loved that Saka um, opened Wolves up um, for the first one. And hopefully the team is going to have a really good December where we can get back to our best because we haven't been fluent this season. And I definitely think it's been in the name of um, moving to more control. But to have control and swagger at the same time, that gets me really excited uh, about what's to come. And I think Gabby Jesus, it's so difficult not to have him on the pitch. That's why I'm, I'm keeping I'm going backwards and forwards on the sort of striker that we want to bring into the club. But um, but yeah, great day. Okay. What, what, one other point as well on these goals, because it comes under this thing. And, and someone said it in the comments, and it's it, this is probably the right place to bring it up. But I think Tommy Asu's impact was very much worth pointing out. So his involvement in the goal, I think, was a new kink in terms of how he's playing as a fullback. So we know that he's being asked to invert. Um, but one of the one of the main drop-offs when you have him playing as opposed to, say, as Zinchenko when he played out there or whatnot, is Tommy's technical ability not, not has not necessarily, you know, translated to someone like Zinchenko. It's very hard to anyway, you know, with a player who's that good moving forward. But in those cute little triangles around the area, I thought that Tommy's ability to play those little Slide rule passes looked bang on today. He hit Saka through that little triangle with Saka, Jesus, out to Tommy, back into Saka in his path. And also there was another one in the second half where he, I can't remember the player he was running through. It might have been Saka again, but it was, it was like, it was a quality pass. And he is get he's starting to find that element of his game, meaning that I think that Tommy Asu could be a much more, he's already probably, you know, uh, uh, the first choice um, fullback option based on his defensive abilities. But then suddenly, if you start to think that we're not going to have as much offensive drop-off because his attacking output is starting to lift a little bit, then it's going to be a no-brainer that we see him more often picked as a starter. You're on mute. <laughs> you got to have some mute. Yeah, you yeah. Know, you? you got to have a little bit of mute. Let's talk about um, the Tomiyasu experience because we've got the full experience today. I think he's absolutely on top of his game at the moment. I think he's really understanding the position in ways that we maybe didn't think he was capable of in the past. He's contributing to the attack. He's brilliant at defending. He can play all across the back line. But, but, but he has calf problems and um, he is suspected of having a, an injury again. And this is what I was talking about on the podcast. His availability is a problem. And when he gets up to speed, just as he gets up to speed, you lose him for three months again. And even if he's not out for a long time, the fact that his calf muscle is flaring up again shows you that he's probably always going to be a utility player at best. And the biggest problem is you can't rely on him. So, um, Matt, I wanted to get your take on, uh, on this. Does this... Does this give you concern? And if we're looking for robust players to take us to Champions League and Premier League glory, do you need a, a utility fullback that can be available for more than 10 games in a row? It's a concern, but I mean, we're jumping to conclusions. We don't know what it is. He could be absolutely fine. It could be completely precautionary. I think that what's great is, because people were saying, oh, but Ben White should be playing today. Or what, what do you think? And I was like, we know Tommy Yass is going to get injured at some point. So take as many games off Ben White as possible. Keep Ben White as fresh as the daisy for as long as possible. 
because I think we looked at Manchester City and we looked at like the way that they basically had six defenders last season all playing around 2,500 minutes over the over the course of the season. Whereas we had all of our minutes bunched up in four. And I think they just like spread them out evenly across all six. It's not even like f- four main ones and utilities. So I think we've learned from that. I think it's great that we're getting minutes into his legs. We're obviously missing Timber. And I don't expect him back before March. I can't understand all these people who think they're going to see him in January. It's just not going to happen. So um, he's, had, he's he's been phenomenal. Um, I've seen some great threads on him on Twitter. Um He's obviously had some personal issues. Um, you know, his mum passed away, all of that sort of stuff. But he's come back. He's been a real surprise package of the season for me. Uh, and so, um, yeah, really, really, really pleased with his progress. Really crossing my fingers that it's not injured because we've got a busy December. I'd love him to be available because I think he's a better defender than Ben White. And I think there's some games coming up where I think I'm thinking Mo Salah, um, I'm, I'm not sure when we're playing Brighton, but obviously Mitoma gave Ben White a horrible time. But it's those sorts of ones where I think having Tomoyasu's presence at fullback, he's better against those really, really rapid wingers. Uh, so we need him. We need him. He's an, he's he's another tool in our toolbox. And um, and I think you saw, and we'll, we'll get onto it, you know, you have to have your fullbacks able to defend if you want to go for the big prizes. Johnny, uh, uh... Tommy Iyasu has uh, played about a thousand minutes so far this season. That's more than anybody expected. Um, but if he is injured again, does this give you a bit of concern? And, and does this kind of give a little bit of insight as to why there are, you know, why there are clubs circling and why there are rumours about us moving on another defender? Does it or does it matter? Um, do you just need a Tommy Iyasu in the squad? We shouldn't expect him to play more than twenty-five games a season. Um. There's a little, there's a little element of truth to all of those points. Like in terms of, at this stage, I don't assume that Tommy Asu is going to be giving us, you know, thirty plus ga- Premier League games a year. I don't, I, why would, why would anyone think that based on experience, based on history? But I'm not really that worried about that injury. That seemed precaution all day long. To be honest, he went down. He was hardly writhing in pain. It was almost just like a. Yeah, bring the guy on, uh, bring the uh, medic on to have a little look at him. And honestly, it looked like Arteta made the decision before he'd even been told. He was already literally going to, um, he's supposed to get Ben White, get warmed up, because I think he was like, what I'm not going to have you do is if you even felt a twinge in your calf, I'm not going to have you playing on a cold pitch, you know, up against a Wolves team with pasty wingers who are going to keep going, and we're going to just let you play into that injury. Even if he is out for the Luton game, which he might be, I expect he'd be back by the weekend. But it's just, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sitting there watching at home on my TV. But the reality is, is I, I'll be surprised if it's anything that severe, just based on the way that he he reacted. But we know, on, on the same note, we know that every football team faces injuries. Every football team has injury-prone prone players. Look at... You know, we, we can talk about Arsenal, but look at Man City. Kevin De Bruyne hasn't even played this year, has he? Do you know what I mean? And he, even if he comes back, he'll break down again because that's going to be the story of his career moving forward. It gets to... You, you cannot build your castles on sand. So I wouldn't base our whole campaign around Tommy Asu being fit all the time. The problems come in when you get these random fluke injuries like 
Timbers played 45 minutes and done an ACL. Like, you can't plan for that stuff. And, you know, it's not like, oh, yeah, he's doing his ACL every week. So I think there are other solutions in there. I, I agree with everything that's been said. Right now, Tommy Asu's playing at as high a level as anyone in the squad. I, I'm not sure I, I pound for pound take him as a better defender than Ben White. I think Ben White's amazing. Right? Like, But the fact is, I don't worry if Ben White's coming in. Ben White's playing against Luton or, or, or going to Anfield. There is no concern there. My issue is, as we're going to get on to, Tommy Asu is the first choice left back for me. <laughs> you know, it's, not, it's not about right back. I'm just pleased Ben White's getting some rest. This is not about... I don't see it as Ben White got dropped. I see it as Ben White's getting a few weeks out and I, I'm pleased for him. Rest up, mate. You know what I mean? Marbs in the summer, just chill out. But at the end of the day, Ben White is a first-choice player. There are other pl- areas of the pitch where we could do with Tommy Asu's um, support. Johnny, you're being corrected in the comments. Nostradamus is saying the Egyptians did indeed build their castles on sand. <laughs> so you've been, uh, been corrected and They there. build their pyramids on sand. So yes, Egyptian castle. Well, uh, no, uh, not actually, not not really a castle. <laughs> not really a castle. Sorry, Dan, you got that wrong. Um, <laughs> let, yeah, I I I love what Tommy Asu's bringing to um, the side this year. I just think that Arteta has got to manage those minutes, and hopefully the player can start. You know, I feel like Bukayo Saka manages tweaks and knocks really well. Like he'll take himself out of contention, and I wish um, more of our players did that. So. Everyone's telling me in the comments that Tommy Asu isn't injured, but I would like to see Ben Wyatt back in the mixer um, for next week. Just give him a little bit of a rest because he's gonna—he's been so important in two seasons. You know, him breaking down last year probably cost us the league. Him breaking down two seasons before cost us top four. Like he's an important player, and I just like to see him on the pitch a little bit more. All right, let's move on to the next topic, guys. Uh, we're gonna go for Saka. Uh, 18 goals and assists contributions this season. Um, only I think only Jude Bellingham is bettering him. We are getting world-class output. And the craziest thing is we're getting world-class output from a player every Arsenal fan will tell you is he's nowhere near his best. But we saw a little bit of the best out there today. Um, the little dink through to Gabby Jesus at the start of the game. Matt, um, is, is Bukayo Saka world-class now can we just comfortably say it? does he need to win the premier league to prove that he's world-class what do you make of our boy the og star boy i think his stats are world-class um but i think there's still quite a lot of room for improvement um i think in terms of all-round play i think i think the stats honestly have masked some some less than great performances this season there's been a couple of moments, I think, when I think of like Chelsea away, when I think of Brentford away, where uh, the fact that he's able to create remarkable assists despite not having very good games has been, has sort of glossed over that. But that's what great players do. And he's he, he's a great player. What I want to do, what I want him to do is I want him to go up that next level to the most Salah level, because I think he hasn't got there yet in all honesty. And I'm trying to be 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 reasoned and, and rational about it. Most sellers like can 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 do what can score a world class wonder goal himself out of nothing. And I think that's the next level for Bukayo. And I think he can do it. He's just like such a wonderful player, such a wonderful person. He's still so young. 
Um, but now I want to see him go on. I want to. Score, I, want, I want to see him score twenty plus Premier League goals this season, and I think he can do it. Tough dad, tough dad talk there uh, from Matt Candela. Johnny, I, I do think the comparison to Mo Salah is is an interesting one because Bukayo Saka is very measured in his finishing. Do you know what I mean? Like he's a, he's a he's a technician, but he doesn't have the bells and whistles that Salah has. Um, do you think that he's just that player? You know, like Nick Anelka was not really a spectacular goal scorer. He was a very efficient player on the pitch. Do you see more of that in Bukayo or do you think Bukayo has another level to go and he will eventually get there? You know, got to remember, um, I don't even think Salah had moved to Chelsea um, at this point in his career. I think he was still in Switzerland at the same age as uh, Saka is right now. Yeah, well, you know, you could tell we've talked about Saka a lot over the years because we, I think we all come from a similar place on him and, and largely because we all have eyes and we can see what this guy serves up. But... I mostly agree with what you know Matt's perspective on Saka as well, um, but I would probably spin it in slight a slightly different way. Pete, the fact that you you know again we're talking uh, uh, you both were about Salah. I think I was you know I was the first, if anything, to say that the North Star for Saka should be Salah. He reminds me, like in terms of the technique when he finishes, that is what Salah does. That is, you can see that's who he can become. And I, I agree with Matt. I don't think he's there yet. I don't think he does it quite on a regular enough basis in terms of just taking over games, scoring big goals. But his G's and A's, his stats, you cannot argue with them. And this is where the only thing I would maybe frame it in a different way to the way Matt put it, in the sense that, you know, you, you were saying that his stats somewhat overshadow or hide the true story of the game. Well, I couldn't agree more in one respect. But the fact is, is G's and A's are all that matter. I don't care if you're having stinkers, if you can turn up with a goal, an assist, and we're winning games. And the best players are ones that can have poor games or poor form. And Salah is one of them who can be quite anonymous in games. And then just one moment just does something. And so that's the difference this year. I believe that last year, uh, Salah... Uh, Saka was riding out good form and riding out confidence. This year, he's using just base technique and confidence to just continually make the difference. And that Brentford game was a perfect example where he's just not doing anything, not able to beat the double um, the double team that a lot of teams have sent against us. He wasn't feeling confident in a way that he usually can. A, a game like today... They tried it, and and he was just blitzing them. He he's when he's the winds in his sails, you can't stop him. But in that game, this is why I made a point of it. He reverted back to just his technique. His ability to whip the ball in is as good as anyone's. His delivery is as good as anyone's in the league. And so I think now, even in games where he's a fringe player, he will just go, okay, let me just toss some balls into the box. Let me just be a menace in that way. And that's the difference. When you look at it at the end of a season and go, oh, wow, look at this. I agree. I think there's 20 goals coming. I think there will be 20 goals, you know, 10, 15 assists as well. And I think at that point, if we win the league, he's going to be really in with a shout of winning player of the year as well. I think this might be the breakout year for him. Yeah, and just to double down on uh, where Mo Salah was um, at 22 years old, he was in his final season at Basel. Uh, He got... 
uh, 10 goals and 11 assists in 50 games. So that kind of puts in uh, puts a bit of perspective on it. Then he went from uh, then he went to Chelsea. Then he had to- two loan moves. Um, then he eventually got a, a move to Roma. Then he landed at Liverpool. I think he landed at Liverpool at, was he 26, 25, 26 years old? So there is a lot of room for growth. And the fact that Saka is doing this at 22 years old is absolutely exceptional. And um, I, I felt I felt like that was a saucy performance today. We need to we need to see a bit more of saucy Saka in the month of December. That'll really be the Christmas gift that we're all looking for this year. All right, guys. Sometimes sometimes we have to have difficult conversations on this show. So this is a trigger warning. Uh, don't take away your five star review. But we're going here, guys. Zin danger is the topic of conversation today. Um, Aaron Ramsdale said in a podcast with Ian Wright that sometimes he just blacks out in a game and he has to go and have a conversation with the fans. Not not his wisest um, comment on a podcast, but I do feel like Zinchenko has a, the occasional blackout moment after 75 minutes in a game. He had that moment today. He cost us a goal. Um, he's being hammered in the comments section. I think that Arsenal fans forget how amazing he's been of late. Um, Matt, do you just have to cost in that Zinchenko does this occasionally. He has lapses in concentration and that's just part of the package. Or should we expect more of one of the most experienced players in this Arsenal squad at the moment? I think that Arteta has spoken about the different phases of development for this Arsenal team. And I think when he brought Zinchenko in, the goal was to move us on through those phases. And I think he's done an incredible job of uh, heightening the standards, implementing Arteta's pattern of play, um, bringing belief to the club. His technical ability is phenomenal. His goals are phenomenal. He's just an, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant player to watch. But I think the fact that you started this conversation with Aaron Ramsdale is an interesting one because I think Aaron Ramsdale is a player who moved this Arsenal project on significantly, but ultimately needed to be upgraded. And I think Zinchenko is another player who has moved this Arsenal project on significantly, but will need to be upgraded. And I don't don't think that means that there's not a role for him at the club, but I think it's not a role in the first 11. Because the reality of these mistakes and these moments is that costs you the Champions League if it's the semi-final and it's the 86th minute and you, you concede a mistake like that. Or it costs you the league when you end up drawing two all against a big team in May or March. So um, it's always going to happen because he's not really a defensive left back. He brings so much to the team. So I still I see him take, playing a very active role. I see him taking a lot of minutes. I see him making a massive contribution. I see him being a significant part of our success. But ultimately, I think, you know, Urian Timber was a big was a big part of it, I think. You know, he doesn't see him as the as as ultimately probably the first choice left back in the future. Johnny, Matt, Matt goes big. He thinks that Zinchenko's days in the start in eleven are numbered. Um, maybe Urian Timber comes for his position uh, when he gets back in the team in March. And what did you make of the error? And do you see a pattern? of late game lapses from Zinchenko. Should we be worried or should Zinchenko be worried that Arteta never forgets? Yeah, 100%. 100% he should be worried. Everyone sees it. I think 
if you looked at Zinchenko's face, the one thing I would say about Zinchenko is I think he is um, aware. He He's kind of like a football purist, in my, my opinion. Like, he's an exceptional technician. And he knows, like, you can see he loves football. He respects football. If he sees a good player, if he sees a good passage of play, sometimes you see his eyes light up like, whoa, that was, you know what I mean? Because he gets it. He knows when shit is shit. That was shit. And he served up a lot of it. Um, and there's no question that there's a pattern to this. The guy is not a defender. He isn't a defender. That, for me, by the end of the game, you're looking at it and you're going, he doesn't even play like a defender. We, we allow a midfielder to play left back because we've got two centre halves who are absolutely outrageous. And we've got, you know, the best defensive midfielder, maybe top two defensive midfielder in the world. And we're a defense with a solid defensive unit. But when you're playing at home against teams from Wolves and below, you might, you, you, you roll the dice with Zin Diesel. I'm not, I'm, I've got no issues with that because you're, you're going to say, look, we're going to dominate the ball and, will try and benefit from what he brings moving forward. But in big games, in crunch games, where you know that you might have less of the ball or you've got teams who are going to be much more about it and, you know, aggressive, I don't think you can trust this guy. No way whatsoever. But, you know, what we're kind of doing, and and people have spoken about it as well, there's lots of comments about it. We're talking about something, you know, an issue that may have somewhat been resolved already. I think Arteta has immediately seen it and said, no, we can't rely on this guy over the longer period. And he brought in a solution, and that solution done his ACL in the first 45 minutes of the season. You can't account for that stuff. Zinchenko is a phenomenal backup level fullback. You know what I mean? That's what City were winning leagues with, with Zinchenko as a backup level player. Unfortunately, we're relying on him to play regular, regular minutes now. But I think that the path for Zinchenko is not completely, you know, a dead end. I think that his long-term solution will have to be, you know, looked at as being um, Declan Rice's partner, basically. And an eight in there, like a, a double pivot. I think he's wonderful on the ball, maybe with a little less defensive responsibility. And I'm not sure he'd be able to hold that position down all the time. I think he lacks the athleticism. But from a technical point of view, Again, against most teams that don't have really athletic players, I think you'll be able to dominate that because he's so good technically. But I I get really, really concerned now when he's placed in positions of defensive responsibility because he more than shows that he is um, defensively is a liability. Oh, big words, big words, Johnny. Um, big words from both of you, to be honest. I think the moral of this story is... There's always a reason why Pep Guardiola lets players go. And I think we're feeling the pain on two of those players for sure. Um, Gabby Jesus doesn't score enough goals as a number nine. Brilliant player, brilliant striker. You can definitely win a title with him in the side, but it could be problematic at the very highest level. Um, and Zinchenko doesn't concentrate. I think he I think he lacks true fitness. I don't I think that there's not a coincidence that a lot of these errors tend to happen after 65 minutes and Arteta will be keeping an eye on him. I you know I said I said it at the start of the season I think the player the player who has a position under threat from Murian Timber is 
Zinchenko. I think that he's going to come back into the side and I think that Zinchenko will find himself on the bench or shifted into another position. But also starting to see Arteta's point, we don't really have a, a true starting eleven anymore. We've got lots of different starting 11s. And if you want to win the Premier League, like Manchester City, you have to have 22 players that are rotated heavily in and out because you can't hack the you know the, the 50, 60, 70 games that you have to play during a season. So I think that he'll fall out of favour as a starter, but I think he'll also get lots of games. I just think he, I, I think the the end of this story is that Zinchenko is going to be in the same position he was at Manchester City. I wonder if uh, if Kivior might get a little chance because he's been coming on as a little sub. He's looked good when he's played. We've got to warm him up because we can't have we can't rely on him in a run-in without having him play games. And I wonder if Luton might be a good game for him to get some minutes, get a start at left-back. Certainly. certainly and I'm, and I'm not saying that Kibiyor is a better player than Zinchenko. I don't think he is. But I think you've got to get minutes into the legs. It could be a bit of Luton, a bit of PSV away. A PSV away. I like that. I like that. I can't, right. I can't agree more. The fact is, if you can't if you can't play left back against Luton, then what you're doing at Arsenal, it's that simple. It's the easiest game in the league. Maybe it's an away fixture. The home fixture would be easiest. But... I think Sheffield United is, but yeah. Well, it's a, it's a toss up, definitely. <laughs> but um, you know, yeah, it, they lost five 0 to Burnley today. That was bad. But um, yeah, either way, Kivy or getting some games, hundred percent. That, that that would certainly, uh, hopefully, provide a new option as well. All right, let's move on to the next topic. You could say it's a Trossard who plays left-sided eight. Is it Trossard or is it Kai today? Uh, the coin landed on Trossard. Um, just wanted to get your guys' takes on um, on what you thought of the performance. And if you could give me a bit of insight into why he was picked for this particular game instead of the red-hot Kai Harvards. Matt? I think Arteta expected a big, solid, deep block. And I think he expected to have, that he might have to sling Kai Havertz on with 30 to go to break it down and wanted to keep those fresh legs for those long crosses in at the end of the game. I think he's also just trying to like manage some expectation and protect him a little bit. There's been a lot of hype around Kai, so I think it was those three things. And it's just, um, you know, uh, Trossard's done well when he's played. I don't know if it's... We were just talking about it, the people I was watching it with. I don't notice Trossard at left eight. Like we were saying, when he plays up top, it's like he always seems to score in that false nine and you sort of notice him buzzing around. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just, he doesn't really seem to, it's, it's a weird position on left eight. It, it feels like you're more of a keeping the ball, recycling the ball versus all about impact. Um, but I would have liked Kai to just try and keep some of that momentum going because I felt like two ga- two goals, two games, Three, including Germany. Why don't you just keep 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 his confidence up and keep keep the ball rolling with our famous five? So um, I, w- I was surprised, but you know, it all worked out in the end. Johnny, what did you make of Trossard today? I know that you're a, a bit of a fan of him, um, even after his uh, hair change colour um, of late. What did you think of the performance out there, and why did Arteta pick him? Um, well, first things first, what we're not going to do is just overlook this pun that I came up with. I mean, prostate exam, like prostate exam, like, you know, it's like testing him out. Should you, have to, should you, have, to, should you have to explain it? You know you had to explain it. That's the problem. It was it was clever in a, in a comedy <laughs> club. I think people are on it as, as a written pun. It's, it's, it's a tough one. It, it left me, yeah. I think uh, 
I think. My yeah. work often goes over people's heads, gentlemen. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, I think I think when you need to explain the joke, I mean, I don't know. You're the you're the professional, but um, so uh... <laughs> do you think we were going to let you get away with that? <laughs> so yeah, no. Look, the reason why I, I, I wanted to talk as well uh, about Trossard was um, what I think he what I think he does in that role is he provides a lot of the kind of the late runs into the box that we thought that Kai would do. And by the way, this is not going to be a shot at Kai, you know, because I think that Kai has started finally to show the kind of breakthroughs that we've wanted him to really exciting last couple of games. I like you, Matt, you know, in, 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 in general, if he had played today, I, I would, I would have expected it because he's been in, in great form, but that moment where the ball was dinked through in the first half, and Trossard brings that ball down with just a magic touch, and then he gets his shot away. It's just like I don't, I haven't seen Kai doing that yet. And I think that there, there were a couple of moments today where Trossard showed what he could be potentially with a couple of runs, you know, it, playing in that position over a couple of games. I think he could really click into gear and make that position his own if he, if he had a run of games. I'm not saying he'd start all the time, and I think Kai has every chance to come back in and get some game time, but I don't think it's just a, a, a one-person job uh, at the moment, that role. I think there could be a few different solutions in there, and I do think that Trossard, once he finds his feet in that role, because I still think he's he's a couple of yards off where, off where he needs to be in certain moments, but I think that he will have an increased attacking potency from that role when he plays there. And I feel like he looks a little bit better now in that role than when we've seen him previously. So, yeah, it's just for me, the germ of something getting going, bubbling away there. But I feel like that there could be something there over a longer period. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. I I, I think he was picked for his, uh, his creativity and uh, didn't really need it today because we, we blitzed the game nice and early. Also wonder whether um, Kai sat on the bench because he, you know, played a, a lot in the international break. Maybe needed a bit of a rest, keep some powder dry for uh, for the next few weeks. All right, guys, let's talk about. Uh, we're gonna. This is another trigger warning. This is a trigger warning for me, but I have to say it, guys. Eddie and Ketia, I've, I've given him so much propaganda. I've propped up that guy. I've 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 gone to bat for him. I've gone into battle with you two numerous times. Numerous times. I've made group chat friends hate me because I've been Eddie and Ketia. I've been showing up in their nightmares. But today, that miss when we needed that third goal, that miss hit. He hit the post, but it's it's just it it feels like it's a pattern with him. The man who always hits the target has not been hitting the target with the consistent consistency that he should. And he's playing in a, a chance creation machine and he's not getting the goals. And that was the perfect example of why I'd imagine Arsenal were looking at a striker this summer. Jesus brings a lot more to the team. Eddie has to bring goals. In that moment, he didn't do it. And I, I felt hurt by it, Johnny. I felt hurt. What what should what we sh- what should we be making of that? Is are we blowing this out of proportion? We won. Should we just be happy? Should we just nothing to see here? Is that where we should be? Or do we have to investigate? No, look, it's just not good enough. It's not good enough. I'm um, look, Eddie has shown he's 
shown that for me, he, you know, and I know we've had a, a, a shot at League One, Eddie. I think for me, he's shown that he's a Premier League striker, but he's not good enough for Arsenal. And, and, and I've been pretty steadfast on that for a while. He will not get us to the league. When you look at that chance that came comes his way, how do you want them, Eddie? How do you want it? They aren't coming much easier, mate. You're through on goal. You've been played through. You can't miss that. And and I'm sorry, it's like, oh, he hit the post. No, he missed. He didn't score. This is your job. And um, it, it's not good enough. That is not good enough. I think there are a lot. I think we've got defenders that would score that. It's not good enough. He's bottled a big moment. That's the kind of striker output that you can tolerate when you're trying to stay up, trying to, you know, work your way up to mid-table. We're, we're top of the league, mate. What are you doing? That's not good enough. And look, I think here we go. It's, it's time to hold your hands up and say, we love Eddie. I think that we, at this stage, no one could accuse us of saying that we haven't given him a great shot. It's not like we're just going to bin him off anyway because he's currently our only other backup striker option. But he is not going to propel us to anything. I don't. I wouldn't trust him over a long period filling in for Jesus. No way in the world. And uh, yeah, for me, it, it's just the latest example um, uh, of a situation where we've needed him in a moment. To t- that's not. That's not a hard chance. It's not. It's not a hard chance, and he's missed it again. So um, yeah, I. I think the. Evidence just seems to be mounting up for me that he's he's not good enough for Arsenal. Matt, is it time to cut the apron springs and say, see, see you later, Eddie? Is it, or are we oh, being too harsh? Guys, it's are we fucking, being too brutal? It's knee-jerk FC here. Like, have you seen that? Have you seen that fit, that that effort that he hit? Like, cloak, like, I saw the replay. The keeper did really, really well. He came out, he spread himself. It was a really good effort. Nine times out of ten, that's in off the post and it's a perfect finish. And on this time, it just bounced out. That's what it was. You could see he did everything right. He was calm. He hit the target. It just hit the hit the post and went out. Could easily have gone the other way. If that was someone else, we wouldn't be talking like this. Uh, he'll bounce back. I think there's a problem away from home. But, you know, I don't think the problem's at home. I think it could easily have gone the other way. Um Everyone else misses chances like that. It's just it becomes sort of accentuated in because of the game state. Um, but you know, you could you could you could say in the first half, why did Gabby Jesus just not like nicely square it to Declan Rice for a tap in for three 0 Why did he take that shot on? You know, there's there's loads of these moments. So um, you know, let's get behind him now when he needs it because he looks like he needs a goal. None of this knee jerk stuff and uh, and and move on. Matt yeah. pulling me right back in. You're well, pulling me in. It's not. It's nice to have a little bit of reason and sanity in a room. But the reality is, we, we're not saying rip his contract up. We know he's going to be here next week, and we're not going to say start booing him. But we're talking about kind of objectively when we're trying to assess the player. This is a longer period. I, I just, I, I just looked at that finish, and it looked like a confident player doing the right thing. It didn't look like a player who wasn't confident that he was going to put the ball in it just hit the post and came out rather than hit the post and went in it really was and the keeper was out on him on a flash why are we, we're not here dissecting the Trossard miss I mean Erdegaard put Trossard through 
it was the same type of chance, you know. And um, and oh he, no, 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 no. Trossard was much harder. I mean, he, he just pulled it out of the air. Yeah, Dennis Burkamp touched to pull it out of the air and and scrambled to get a finish away. But not only that, Matt. Like once you're through, there are different ways how you can finish it. You might dink it. You might hit it as he has. You might go round the keeper. He chose to shoot in that way, and he missed it. Like, come on, we're top of the league. We it is a game of fine margins. And we need players who are going to come on and make a difference. And look, again, he's not going to be gone. He's not going to sell him tomorrow. But when we're trying to assess whether he's good enough, I just feel like the, the, the evidence is mounting in the, in the category of this guy is, is not, it's not going to be good enough for Arsenal. It is my, it is my thing with Eddie. I love him. I think he's a, a very uh, capable striker. But I want to see him become Eddie Gunnar Solskjaer. That's what I want to see. I want to see him Eddie Gunnar Solskjaer. Eddie Gunnar Solskjaer. He'd come off the bench and he would score time and time again. Like if you if you are a bench striker, you need to show up in games like that and you need to finish them off. And I know, you know, we've gone back and forth and said, well, you know, you need minutes, you need to get starts, you need to fill your way into the Premier League season. Eddie has had a lot of minutes this season. He should be coming off the bench and he should be finishing that. And it's it, it, I'm with Johnny. I, that that wasn't good enough today, and that was uh, a little bit upsetting because he should he should be finishing that. But listen, we're we, we've got the whole of December. He's going to get a lot of minutes, but I need to see I need to be, I need to see him pushing pushing goals into the net a little bit more often than he is at the moment. All right, um, guys, we're going to finish on um, a uh, not a slide. We're going to finish on a share screen of the Premier League table. Oh. As I say, you finish it off. You, you, you shake all the negativity out of the system. You take the banner off Matt's face uh, so everybody can see his reaction. We're looking at the moment. 14 games, 10 wins, three draws and one loss. Um, we are just two behind Manchester City on goal difference, which is exactly where you want to be. And I, I guess kind of shows you that this striker that we're all begging to get into the side... How needed is it if you're scoring at this clip and defending so well? Um, but yeah, top four is a very interesting, guys, because it's Manchester City and Liverpool. So I feel like we're at a point now where we can probably say Liverpool are back. Klopp's rebuild has been good. Um, Aston Villa and Spurs um, make up the top five. And then Manchester United, Newcastle and Chelsea are nowhere to be seen, guys. What do we make of the Premier League table at the moment? Um, have we seen enough games to say this might be shaping up? I think. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, from my perspective, when I've when I've been thinking about the league lately, and I was thinking in the game, there are two games that are really starting to take shape in in short order for us that are going to be real litmus tests for us. I think Villa Park and Anfield. If we can go there and get big results in them, and listen, we know what happened at Anfield last year. And there's no reason why we should be going there losing anymore. We are a problem for anyone and we should be treated like that. You know what I mean? Like, we got to really go to Anfield and be like, we're winning today. Granted, you can, maybe we get an injury before, you know, a key injury or whatever. But if Saliba, Gabriel and Declan Rice are fit and Saka's fit, we should be going there going, we're beating Liverpool today. Don't care. Don't care if you've got Saka. And it, Salah, sorry. And... Villa will be, it's a tricky test. And obviously there's that added complication with Emery being the coach and he'll be up for it. But I've, you know, 
in general, if we can handle Watkins and they've got some pace on their wings as well. The fact is, is we're the best defense in the league. And every time we walk into town, we, we show up and we've got that fear factor back. Like when Vieira was in the tunnel and it was just full of absolute monsters and Sol Campbell and Colo Toure back in the day. And it looks like the monsters out of Space Jam. That's what we're like again now. So can we go to those big away games? We got three points in both of those. I think we're back to being, listen, favourites for the league, solid favourites. But it's going to be key going to games like that. It's not going to be just beating up Lutons, you know. Matt, what do you uh, what do you make of the Premier League table? Who's worrying you and uh, who are you not concerned about? I'm trying not to think too much about opposition and I'm just looking at it and going, last season, halfway through the season, 19 games played, we had 50 points. And we're not going to match that this season. We can't match that this season. That was how phenomenal last season's start was. But I think we need to try and... I think we want to be on 45. Because that sets us up for a 90-plus point season. And I think that's what it takes to win the Premier League. And to do that, it means in the next five games, we can lose one and we've got to win all the others. And I think that's what we've got to do. I think you've got to look at it like that and just look, look at these phases. And so I think we can afford to... To, we can afford to drop a drop drop a point, drop drop some points, but you don't want to you don't want to drop it to Liverpool. That for me, because they're going to be going all the way to the wire. So I think if, if you're gonna if you're gonna lose one, lose and it's the tricky one, then lose to Villa. Don't lose to Liverpool because uh, you don't want them making it up. But you've got to be. I think I was just looking at the fixtures. We're playing Luton. We've got to beat Luton. We've got Villa. That's a tough game. But you've got to beat Brighton at home. Brighton at home has been a fucking nightmare for us over the last few years. That has to change this season. We, we've got to beat Brighton at home. Brighton might have to play a hard European game. Well, they might have to put a proper team out in a European game because I think that they're in danger of not finishing top in their group, which means an extra Europa League tie. So we might have a little bit of an advantage there. But yeah, I agree. And then we've got Liverpool. And then, because after that, we've actually got a relatively easy run. We've got West Ham at home. We've got Fulham away. We've got Palace at home. We've got Forest away. So until Liverpool again. So it's just like, it, I, I agree with Johnny. I think it's like, how do we get through Villa away and Liverpool away? And, you know, it's really about, it's really about not losing. Um, if we could beat Villa and then get a point at Anfield, that would be bloody brilliant. But the other thing about it, we, I, I want to win at Anfield. I want to send a statement out. My God, it's been so long. We didn't do it last year. We're 2-0 up. I wonder whether we're just going to go and put out a statement at Anfield and go and beat them this year. I agree. Just seen Lorna pop up in the comments section. Hey, Lorna, we agree with you. Villa, Villa and Liverpool wins. We would love it. And honestly, I cannot have Unai Emery messing up our season. I put too much on the line. I wrote too many words about him. Can't have him showing up with Aston Villa and getting into the top four and causing us problems in the title race. That would be too much for my heart to handle. All right. Okay. Well, we've had an absolutely monster podcast today. Thank you to everybody that has watched. Remember, add a like if you fancy. <laughs> Subscribe. Um, we want some five-star reviews on the podcast platforms. Uh, they've been racking them up on Spotify. We've got about 800, um, but I need some on, uh, on Apple. So if you're on Apple Music, donate. Uh, a nice review and just package it up as a Christmas gift for us this year. Um, also, Pete, while people are listening, it's, it's you know, the festive season. 
And one of the things that's got us going is these Spotify raps that like people are saying how much they've been listening to us. It, you know, warms our cockles and all that. But just as a bit of a kind of Christmas experiment, tell someone, you're all Arsenal fans, which means, guess what? You probably know other Arsenal fans. If there are any other Arsenal fans that you know that don't listen to the AOP, maybe don't know about us, tell them, take it as a personal challenge of yours. Tell them about the AOP. Get them to listen to it at least once. You know, grow the family. That's what we're about. Share a podcast this Christmas. That's basically what we're saying. All right. Um, on that note, uh, I mean, when we're going to be back, we're going to have, have to do it before the whistle tomorrow. Uh, so much podcasting going on this season. We're really going to make sure that we're in your ears all through this holiday period. We're going to have a great December. And if we can exit and head into January, top of the league, my word. Oh, we're start imagine being excited. top at Christmas, boys. How good would that be? It would be absolutely unbelievable. All right, guys, on that note, stay safe this Christmas. Have a great drink tonight. Uh, and we will see you for a before the whistle for our Champions League game this week. Ciao for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.